Welcome back to another special episode of Laser Graves. Yeah. How's it going? I'm great. How are you? Doing pretty good. I man, I've just been loving traveling through time. I mean, that's all I do anymore. Yeah, when my days are down, I'm just moping around, I think. You know what I'm going to do this month? I'm going to hop in a time travel machine. Mm-hmm. Want to go check out a medieval toilet? Do it. Yeah. Those were called bidets. Or pooping in the street. <laughs> oh, wait. When, when do you think a bidet was invented? A 20th century. Oh, yeah. I guess you'd have to have plumbing. Yep. Okay. Or you'd have a surf with a straw that would, like, suck it up and then <laughs> no! shoot it. No! <laughs> That was the early medieval bidets. Oh, gross. Okay. Well, now that you've got that visual image, (laughs) maybe we'll end up in medieval France. Maybe we won't. Shall we hop in the time machine? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Let me grab it. It's right here. Okay. Here we go. Welcome to the future. The year is 1995. <laughs> oh, 1995. Holy guacamole. That was an interesting year that I barely remember. It was a wild year for me. <gasps> no, that's the first year I met you. Was it? Yes. Yeah, that was interesting time to meet me. Okay. Yeah, well, I was going strong in a punk band at that point. You had a lot of fishnets. I did. Yeah, I was, had a lot going on in my life. There was a, a lot of accessories. Yeah, well, I was. Yeah, definitely had yeah. a lot of accessories. Electrical boots, Robert yeah. Smith hair. You know, ministry was in vogue. Okay. All right. Well, 1995. You know what else happened in 1995? What? DVDs were invented. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, they hit the market in 97, but they were invented in 95. Oh, so CD-ROMs were before DVDs. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, because I was like, yo, bro, I had a CD-ROM. Okay, no, DVDs. <laughs> you know what else was invented and came out? What? PlayStation. Okay. That was a game changer with Resident Evil. That was, yeah, boy. I didn't have a PlayStation, but my drummer <laughs> did. <laughs> and so we would have practice. I used to kind of come up with a reason to have band practice just so that we could hang out and play as PlayStation afterwards. We could have worked on this like one section in case we ever have a yeah. show. <laughs> Gotta really rework this one song. Can we play Resident Evil now? Aww. But but the thing geez. that happened in 1995. The most important thing. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's a thing that happened. I didn't see this in the theater, did you? No. Okay, I definitely rented it. Hastings, yep. serving it up. Books and entertainment. I Hot went, and fresh. Rented a new release called Tank Girl. Heck yeah. It's the year 2033. There's no law. No mercy. You're gonna really love this one. <laughs> No water. There are three million liters of water underneath the blue dunes, and you will retrieve it. The odds of survival are a thousand to one. And that's just the way she likes it. Hi, my. Talented, isn't she? Hi, feeling a little inadequate? 
She'll be fun to break. I like pain. Lori Petty. Did I hurt you yet? Ice tea. Turn this boat around, or you're gonna get us all killed. And Malcolm McDowell. Just how many of my men did you kill? United Artists Pictures presents. Just say, I won. I won. Tank Girl. What's it like knowing you're about to die? You don't it! All right. Well, Tank Girl, this is a good old cult classic now. Yeah, it is now. I mean, it was pretty popular when it came out. To a small group. Yes. This is one of the few ones that honestly was accepted in our group. Mm -hmm. All of us were super judgmental, hoity-toity, like elitists. And for some reason, Tank Girl was okay. Like, it was okay to watch it. It was, but you had to, like, acknowledge that some of the music was awesome, like Portishead, and some of it, I think Bush was on the yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, you didn't acknowledge that You just Bush plugged your it. ears yeah. and you were like, just, la, 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 la. just pretended that that was not there. No thank you, Puzzer. <laughs> well, Tank Girl. Tank Girl was a comic started in 1988 hmm. and became popular pretty fast. Sure. But... It's interesting the way that comic was adapted to uh, a motion picture, and it happened pretty quickly. Yeah, it really did, if you think about it. That's a pretty fast rise. Were you familiar with the comic? No, I was huge into comics as a kid, and then around this time I was done, I wasn't... You were a teen. Yeah, I wasn't getting comics anymore, so I missed the whole Tank Girl thing. Too deep in the Robert Smith face. But, yeah. (laughs) But the way this was developed is pretty interesting. As the story goes, is that the director, female director, actually, Mm -hmm. which is pretty interesting, Rachel Tanelay, was on set for her directorial debut, Freddy's Dead, (laughs) which is a pretty fun one. And while she was on set, I think it was her stepdaughter got a tank girl comic book for her to read so she was reading it between takes to just kind of pass the time and to connect with her stepdaughter good job oh isn't that sweet but she ended up loving it right away Mm -hmm. and wanted to get the rights to it to adapt to to a, a feature film and there was a little bit of a you know jumping through some hoops to to get it done but she did secure the rights which was really cool She made another film after Freddy's Dead, Ghost in the Machine, if you remember that Mm. one. But then she was able to get Tank Girl kind of the green light to to go forward. So I like this idea that this wasn't something that was just brought to her, but it was more of like a passion project. Yeah. And I think that comes through in the film. And I also think that that's maybe while later in the episode we'll talk about some of the disappointment with the people involved mm-hmm. was because they this wasn't just a job for them. They actually... They were passionate. They really wanted to make this. And mm-hmm. they were fans of the comic before it started. The comic was co-created by two people, Alan Martin and Jamie Hewlett. So one was the writer, one was the artist. And she actually worked with them as this was being made. So it's not like she just got the rights and then went off and did her own thing. They all sat down and, and really were in... Collabed. In, yeah, to collaborate and make sure that this was a, a proper adaptation. So originally that was the intentional. 
Now, if you know Tank Girl, there's a lot of more adult material and subject matter. And that was a concern getting the, the budget for this and getting somebody to produce it was getting creative freedom. Yeah. To not have to really kind of... Uh, Answer to a studio. Yeah, and, and cut a lot of stuff out. I found out, I didn't know this, but Disney actually stepped up and offered to make it. Okay. And she turned them down because she said no. Like, the content that's going to be in this, yeah. they're going to completely say no to half of this stuff. No way. So she she turned them down, but ended up going with MGM, which is a good choice. They'll They'll do all kinds of stuff, although... You walk a fine line because they are a major, major studio and they're going to have a lot of say as well. Mm-hmm. But it got the green light. Pretty sweet. Got a $25 million budget. Decent. And then they scouted some locations. And that's what makes this very near and dear to our heart is that mm-hmm. the primary location was White Sands, New Mexico, which is right next to where my parents' house is and where I grew up. And where we met. And where we met. And we were just at White Sands not too long ago. We have gone there our entire lives. There have been a lot of films shot there. But oh, for sure. when you are a teenager and a movie like Tank Girl gets made in your hometown, it's a big deal. Yeah. So I think that's another reason why I, us teens accepted it. Yeah, because it was in our town. Yeah, totally. This is being made in our town. Of course, we're going to watch this. Yes, absolutely. And we all knew somebody who knew somebody who saw Lori Petty at the Taco Bell or something. I don't know if any of it's true. Yeah. I heard lots of stories like, I see came into the gas station or whatever. Yeah, there were a lot of stories going around. And oh, this was also shot in Tucson. But really, we're going to talk focus on White Sands because of where we grew up. But yeah, I mean, we've both been to Tucson, but whatever. It's not White Sands. Only connection I had to it or remember was this was shot in the summer of 94 yeah so i would have been in high school at that time and i absolutely remember with my own eyes out on the highway going towards white sands there was a junkyard where they had you know cars and all kinds of stuff like that Mm -hmm. for a very very brief time there was a vehicle out front and when watching this movie again the other night i was thinking it had to have been the tank for you know a time okay was sitting right out front of the junkyard because all of us would talk about it. Like, did you see the prop from Tank Girl sitting out front of the junkyard? And mm. it didn't stay there, but it was there briefly. So I think it must have been the tank. But keep in mind, this was, you know, what, 25 years ago or something. Uh. So I do remember seeing something. And the more I thought about it, I wondered if maybe the junkyard helped kind of make some alterations to it or something. So maybe they were working on it and oh, before okay. sending it off to the set or something like that. No I, I could be totally wrong, but... That was I, the that was the hot goss? Yeah, well, and I do remember seeing something from the set of Tanker. I just don't remember if it was the tank or not, but I thought okay. that was kind of cool. The other thing to talk about before we kind of get into the film is a big part of this film that's fun is the, the makeup effects yeah. of the Rippers, which we'll get into and that was done by none other than the great Stan Winston, who is a powerhouse in special effects and mm-hmm. makeup. He's worked on everything from Terminator, Jurassic Park, Aliens, and everything like that. And one of the things that I came across reading on this that I was really, it made me happy was his whole crew was so excited to work on this film after they read it mm-hmm. that they offered to do it for half the cost to keep them within budget so that the film could get made. Wow. And I think that's really cool because that is something that stands out is these, 
the whole the effects look awesome. Yeah, the effects specifically on the rippers, and we'll get to those characters in a little bit here. But yes, absolutely, what a deal. Yeah, but that is uh, how it kind of came to be, and they shot it, like I said, ninety four over the course of sixteen weeks, and then they were up and running to make Tank Girl. Now, how to adapt a comic strip to a live action film? Can be a little tricky, but we'll get into some of the pluses and minuses, I guess. All right. Um, I'm going to give us a very general, maybe refresher course. If you haven't seen this, you have to. It's special. Do it. It you'll, is fun. You're going to want to shave your head. <laughs> right. And in the post-apocalyptic genre, I feel like this one often gets overlooked. Oh, yeah. Because everybody thinks of the bigger ones, like Escape from New York or Mad Max or something like that. But Tank Girl's like... Full-fledged, full-blown, legit post-apocalyptic film. Absolutely. And it is solid. It's got everything you want. Oh, so, and a strong female lead. Yeah, it's really fun. So keep that in mind, too, if you're a fan of that genre. is uh, This is like a must-see. Yeah, and also, looking back at it as an adult, because we obviously just rewatched it, my heart like beat a little faster for my tiny self seeing that for the first time and feeling empowered like yeah women are strong and powerful because so many films especially at that time had women always being rescued and never yep. doing the rescuing or being strong so absolutely but let's start at the beginning yeah this movie takes place in the distant future or maybe less so now, yeah. uh, 2033. Oh, that's coming up soon. Real close. In fact, you know, uh, a comet should be striking any day now if <laughs> yeah. this is uh, forecasting our future. It's funny to go through these post-apocalyptic films. We did an episode on 2020 De- Texas Gladiators. Yeah. And it we did it for our January 2020 yeah. episode. And I thought that was funny that now that's just in the past. Okay, so we're in 2033. The world is basically a desert wasteland after a comet has struck the Earth and somehow created a drought. Normally, you'd think this is because it blotted out the sun or just, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's still very sunny. So there's somehow a drought. The water that still remains is almost entirely controlled by a company called Water and Power. And they're in the process of trying to control all of the remaining like water preserves that are all obviously underground. This company is run by a man named Kesley, who is played by none none other than Malcolm McDowell. He is so good in this role. He's good in everything he's ever done. I'm a huge fan of his, but... Man, does he, he just plays this part perfect. I could not imagine anybody else being in this part. Yes, and he actually fondly remembers this film, unlike another A-lister who came out of this. He uh, he is says it's sort of like the same vibe as A Clockwork Orange, because they were kind of working on a low budget, doing something sort of innovative and unique, but... He plays his role perfectly over the top. He's this evil villain, and he leans in hard. Yeah, he's great. Next, we are introduced to our main character, whose name we hear shouted by somebody, but really we don't hear her full name. Uh, I just read it. It's Rebecca Buck. Yeah, I don't think I knew any names really from this movie. <laughs> yeah, the little girl screams, Rebecca! And oh, that's I, right. Yeah, and you're that's right. about it. But Rebecca Buck is our tank girl. She has no tank yet, but she is played by Lori Petty. 
Yeah, were you already aware of her prior to watching this film? She's in Free Willy, so... Uh, oh, you were a Free Willy fan. I'm... I've uh, never seen it. What? I just, that wasn't my thing. Let me tell you. There is a whale that's in captivity. They free it. Oh, yeah, that's definitely something you would watch. I Yeah, I was a little baby vegan and I didn't know it. And actually... Lori Petty was the only original cast member from Free Willy who did not return for Free Willy 2 because she was entangled with Tank Girl. Oh, man. When did you first see Tank Girl? Do you high remember? Sc- high school. I think I think my freshman year. Yeah. Did you see it right when it came out? I must have seen it when it came out on, on VHS, obviously. Yeah, I, I know. I didn't see it in the theater because that would no. have been pretty young. I did get to sneak into a, a few R-rated, but... Uh, this was probably a little too young, but I, yeah, definitely right when it came out. So I don't think I knew who she was. When did A League of Their Own come out? Oh, I don't know. But yes, she was in A League with, of Their Own with the uh, beautiful, amazing genius Gina Davis. That's right. I think if that came out first, mm-hmm. then yes, I did know who she was. But if not, then this would have been my first introduction to her. Yeah. In A League of Their Own, she plays Gina Davis's sassy sister. Yeah. It's just very memorable in that, too. <laughs> yes. But in this movie, she's part of a group of people who have control of, like, a well that is free of water and power control. So they're, like, living on the edge here because uh, the troops of water and power want this and while she's on watch they descend upon this like commune of people they kill tank girl's friends and her boyfriend they just totally wipe them out and her ox and her boyfriend has the dumbest shirt what is with that i don't know i'm like it's like a spider web cut design into an over shirt look if you find a shirt that's almost gone you can cut it into a spider web shape. I guess. That's okay. Okay, yeah. And it, I guess it adds to the whole like post-apocalyptic vibe. Absolutely. He's just being creative with the resources available to him. Don't you judge. <laughs> Troops descend upon the commune. They kill her friends. They kill her boyfriend. And she and a little girl named Sam are taken in as slaves. Although Tank Girl believes that Sam, the little girl, has died also. And Kesley, remember, Malcolm McDowell, he, when she comes in, like, they've collected her, they bring her in, he decides to make her, like, his pet project because he wants to break her strong will and then use all of her powers for water and power. It develops pretty quickly. I think this is an easy-to-follow plot for the oh, most part. it's, you can't get lost. But it's fun. It's so fun as it, like, flows along. And Lori's character she plays it up to the fullest so actually this character Lori, was not the first choice there was another woman whose name is escaping me at present a british lady who was cast in the role of tank girl and there's this whole rumor that that girl that woman refused to cut her hair for oh, the really role, for the role but in truth that woman says no i just rescheduled a hair appointment they were just looking for a reason to cut me out. Oh, they just so, didn't think she was the right fit. I don't know. It's kind of controversial. But anyway, Lori Petty auditioned for it twice. And even though she knew somebody else had been cast, apparently she told her friends, like, I got this. I've got the role. <laughs> and when she saw it, she's like, that's me. Because apparently it's like 
her personality. So it was just a a really excellent cast. So anyway, when Tank Girl is brought in by Water and Power and Kesley wants to break her, he starts torturing her. And there's this whole long sequence of him torturing her. But actually, they cut it down a great deal because uh, some of the higher ups thought she looked too ugly while being tortured. And it included scenes of her being injected with cholera and stuff. We have her being uh, like waterboarded and well, not exactly waterboarded, but something like that and starved and, yeah, you know, just mistreated in a variety of ways, frozen. There's a lot of this is really the beginning of the story of Tank Girl 2 of the cuts that started to be made where mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of this got cut. Yeah. After the fact, which pissed off a lot of people. But that's the nature of filmmaking. When you make a film, you've got a whole bunch of people with their input. You don't get a pure vision. Yep. And But I can see how that would start to really bother you because you've shot this stuff. You think it's going to be in there. And then when you see the final cut, it's gone. So yeah, this, this did get uh, a lot of slicing and dicing. And this is where some of those scenes start to pop up already early in the film. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is where I also want to intervene with a little bit of knowledge about some other people who had applied or auditioned, I guess is the word, for this part. For For the lead role? For the lead role, for Jet. There's a whole bunch of people involved, but I specifically want to focus on the fact that three Spice Girls are on video auditioning for the role. Really? Yeah, it's posh. Scary. No, not scary. Everybody <sighs> but scary. That's who I would have cast. I know. She, she would have been, been good. awesome. Anyway, um, we also got to meet one other character real quick, and that is Jet Girl. Yeah. How did you... Okay. Well, you can say who, who plays her, but I am very curious to know how she got that role. Well... She worked for it. So Jet Girl is a friend that Tank Girl meets between being tortured. So she's also kind of enslaved by water and power. They make friends. But this character is played by Naomi Watts. This is her first role. Oh, it is? Yeah. I was wondering that. I mean, she had like other little things, but this This is her her first first major role. She auditioned for the part nine times times she did not get it easily but she was really shy and there are accounts i don't know how true they are but there are accounts out there that she was like hiding behind laurie petty because she was so shy weird yeah i thought she was great in the role she did great but unfortunately i also read that she's not proud of her work i could see why if this was her first film and she felt like she didn't know what she was doing yet it's very similar to like when I listened to my first albums and it just it clearly I was making music, but I didn't know how to really make music. Yeah. It's got to be similar like that for an actor. It's mm-hmm. I'm a little less forgiving on Jennifer Aniston with Leprechaun, but <laughs> I get it too. At the same time, I could see how if it's your very first role, you maybe won't embrace it unless it took off to critical <laughs> and commercial success. Yeah. Then you'll be like, yeah. I was just that good right away. But I could see why she would distance herself pretty quickly. I don't know. Because now it's so such a great piece. I feel like she might look at it with different eyes if she revisited it. Maybe. Or if she went to like a Comic Con, she'd see how they're all like love the film. Yeah. And she'd see that there's this life beyond it. Okay. So 
We also need to talk about a group of marauders whom everyone fears, the Rippers. They are known to kill freely. They come in, kill water and power, and run away before they're caught. So they're like kind of mysterious and scary. And during one of these attacks on water and power, like right when things are about to get real bad, uh, the Rippers come. Tank Girl and Jed escape, and Kesley loses his arm, and he's severely (laughs) injured. Pretty awesome. Uh, We have to kind of mention it because it becomes an ongoing thing. But Tank Girl and Jet Girl escape, and they are each given their respect, or they each steal their respective vehicles. So this is how they get their names. Jet Girl steals a jet. Tank Girl steals a a tank, and they are free. They take their vehicles, we get a makeover sequence as they make over their tank and jet to be, like, the coolest. It's just, like, uber 90s. Yeah, it's, like, what if you inherited your uncle's VW van in, like, 1995, what you would do to it? And then you, like, made a video on MTV, it would look like this. Ah, oh, so cool. <laughs> so cool. Anyway, they make over their vehicles, and then they find themselves at a spot, like at a woman's house, or whatever, her lair. And that's actually where I have this week's fun fact. Oh, okay. So they find themselves in the lair of a person named Subgirl, who is actually severely cut out of this, but originally she has like a submarine, hence the name. Really? Subgirl. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. And she like comes in in the end and helps free everybody. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. But the fun fact is that the original Subgirl was supposed to be Bjork. She had agreed. Really? Can you even imagine? Wow. I she had a bigger role originally. She would have been really fun at this time. Yes. 95? Yeah. Oh, man. This is post-era Bjork. Yeah. Oh, that would have been so much fun. Instead, she backed out. Boo. I mean, the woman who takes on this role, it's been cut back. So I feel bad for her because it's just a very small role. But she does it well. She's just fine. She's just not Bjork. I wonder if they would have cut the scenes if Bjork was cast. I think they cut it because she backed out. Oh, really? Oh, because they thought they were going to get more scenes with her? Yeah, they were trying to get like a few celeb cameos. And we've got one other. Well, well, two others we'll talk about. Yeah. Well, and we'll get to it later. But Bjork still does have a pretty big role in this film. Yes. But they learned from Subgirl that Sam, the little girl from the beginning that was abducted by Water and Power, is alive. And she's working at like a club called Liquid Silver, which is like a sex club. And they go, and just as poor little baby Sam is about to be sent to a pedophile named Ratface, who is played by none other than (laughs) Iggy Pop. Pop. Yeah, he's great. (laughs) They rescue her. This is interesting. You know, I guess I didn't realize it, because I've seen this quite a bit when I was younger. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm older, uh, maybe it was a little bit more obvious is, the content of this film is a bit more mature than I remember. Yeah. I was like, I guess before rewatching this, I would have maybe thought, let's show like our kids. This is like a quirky, oh. fun movie. But boy, after watching this. No, not kid friendly. I don't remember it being this this much. It's not like it's bad or anything, but no. just more like it's a bit more. Um, it's for teenagers and adults. Yeah. Than I remember. That's yeah. for sure. Not for children. 
But so Liquid Silver, they've rescued Sam and Tank Girl, who is feeling pretty bold. That's kind of her personality. She decides to do a song and dance. Yes. Which actually in test audiences, they kept shortening it because it, it wasn't very popular. And I would agree. This is probably one of the points in the film that maybe doesn't stand out very well. It's a little odd. Yeah. And up until this point, too. It's hit and miss with the stylistic content. You know, it's very much like got to have some comic scenes. So there's like animated sequences, Mm -hmm. but it's very of the times, very much mid 90s. It's chaotic. It feels like a music video. You know, it's just fast paced. And I know that turned off some people, too, was it was a little too intense. Also, I did want to say that a lot of those comic scenes were in place to fill in holes that had been edited out in the storyline. Jeez. Yeah. So while Tank Girl is singing and dancing, uh, Water and Power come and recapture Sam. So they fail. They get Sam and then they lose Sam in the same scene. It was very fast. Yep. So Tank Girl and Jet Girl wander out into the desert and find the Ripper's lair. And there they learn that the Rippers aren't these evil creatures, but instead they're super soldiers that are made from human and kangaroo DNA. Because I don't think I mentioned this is supposed to take place in Australia. Oh, I wouldn't have put that together. Um, They were made by human kangaroo DNA by a scientist named Johnny Prophet. Oh, and one really good dog also all right (laughs) so all of these kangaroo human and dog hybrids are living uh in secret trying to wait out for their creator johnny prophet let's talk about the rippers for a second let's do so we talked about how stan winston did the makeup they they do look really fun this is another thing that i love this era of cinema because it's all still practical effects there's no cgi or anything like that so the costumes are all, you know, actors in costumes. Well, that was a very careful choice because they were worried. I mean, this is Jurassic Park time yep. a little bit later, so they could have done some sort of CGI. Yeah, that's why I appreciate it. Because they they wanted that human quality of expression. So it was really important for them to do that. That's why they hired actors. Yeah, they all have very distinctive personalities, which is really fun there's a couple scenes in particular. Like, oh, do we need to talk about Booga's scene? Well, no, not necessarily yet. But the like singing and dancing and stuff that is very much, I would say, a byproduct of the success of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Oh. It has a, a Ninja Turtles feel to it them. It does. They're kind of goofy, like they're superheroes, but they're also just fun loving and, you know, like... One of the characters, let's get to another one of the big names of of one of the Rippers. You mean Ice-T, who plays the character named Saint-T? Yeah, he reminds me of Raphael from the Ninja Turtles. Like, grumpy. Oh, yeah. Never wants to do anything. Has to be convinced to do everything. Well, he was previously a cop. So, Uh, that's why. Who else do we have? Okay, so we have Donner and Booga, who are... I would say the most important. Yeah, Booga's like Michelangelo. He's the goofy one. Well, Booga was the one who was half dog, half kangaroo, because he was a really smart dog. And Donner is basically just a perv, but he ends up kind of having a relationship with Jet Girl or like an implied relationship. But let's get back to Booga, because Mm -hmm. he has a relationship with Tank Girl that 
initially involved a $5,000 prosthetic penis that was 10 inches long. <laughs> and apparently... Really? It, yes. Apparently it was in the film that like showed in theaters, but was cut for DVD and VHS. Wow. I wonder how that went over with test audiences. Well, I don't think it was that big of a problem, but for some reason they decided it was too close to bestiality. Even though all these characters are very human, yeah. there's, they don't seem like an animal. But there was a post-coital scene between Booga and Tank Girl that showed this prosthetic peen that was cut. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, also, actually, earlier, there was a scene of her room that had a bunch of dildos that was cut. That's in line with the comics and stuff. Yeah. So I could see why they would be pushing this content to try and make it more like that. And Yeah, she's very cut. sexual. Yeah, yes. and it's just getting cut more and more. Yeah, so we do have some relationships happening. But several of these rippers don't trust the women yet. So to earn the trust of the rippers, they intersect and capture a shipment of water and power weapons. And it's this whole big sequence of them like proving that they're against water and power. They finally capture that it, the like shipment only to discover that it's mostly empty, but also includes the corpse of the creator of the Rippers, Johnny Prophet. Why? And that's Splinter, obviously. But why are they oh. <laughs> um, so in love with Johnny Prophet? Because he, he made if them. He created them, though, and they're like this, you know, uh, outcast fringe group of people. Like they yeah. embrace that. I guess. I don't know. They're fine. It's their papa. Maybe they have a complicated relationship. I don't know. Yeah. There's a there's some um, issues with the subject and the continuity sometimes in this film where... It feels like you're peeking in on a comic that you haven't read. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what it is right there. Yes. So anyway, everybody's all mad now. They've got... They've killed Johnny Prophet. They've recaptured the little girl, Sam... So, in a fury, they storm water and power. Obviously, it's a cool fight sequence. Tank Girl <laughs> has a showdown with Kesley, who has now had so much invasive surgery that he has a, like, robot arm and a uh, hologram head. <laughs> That's pretty cool, actually. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it looks really good. <laughs> uh, but Tank Girl wins, and they rescue Sam. And... What I love about all of these scenes, like the fight scenes and everything like that, especially Jet Girl scenes, is it's all practical effects. I, really, I think the only digital effects are his hologram head. Yeah. But there's so many great miniatures on set. Like yes. All the houses and the buildings and stuff, and even some of the spacecraft, or not spacecraft, but the aircraft and yeah. stuff. <clears throat> you can tell that it's all miniature design yeah like you in frequently white watch yeah, it it's so much fun yeah it's like everything i love about a film is that stuff so it's got this charm to it where i feel like they're not trying to pretend to be a serious movie but they're embracing that kind of low quality Surreal. low budget mm -hmm. comic book film and i think it does well it's interesting that this doesn't get brought up a lot in the context of comic book adaptations either yeah like People don't really discuss Tank Girl when they talk about comic book movies, but I feel like it really does have that fun, just eccentric life that comics create, where yeah. just things are over the top and the costumes and the sets and everything like that. So 
for that reason, this film has always been fun to watch because you're yeah. kind of just into this world the second you start watching it. I agree. I would say that this is honestly the only comic adaptation that I truly care about. Really? I think so. I bet you I could find a few more. I don't know. If I really thought about it, I think you'd be like, oh, crap. Yeah, that's a comic, isn't it? I don't know. Well, you're lucking out because I'm not going to try and come up with the movie right now that you love that's based on a comic. But it's this. I can talk about the film score, the soundtrack. Okay. (laughs) Because that's pretty cool. (laughs) This is an interesting part of the film is at one point a couple people like critics said that the soundtrack was getting more attention than the film was it had a lot of hits it did i did not know this but it was assembled by none other than courtney love who put the music together the selection together and it is a who's who of of mid-90s alternative rock. Before you go any further, I know why she did this. Why? Because she was originally one of the, like, I, I don't know if she was fully cast or partially cast as Jet Girl, but she had to bow out because of Kurt Cobain's suicide. So she oh. came back on in a different capacity. wonder what she would have been like in 94, it would That's have like been doll parts era. Huh? It would have been too much with Lori Petty. Yeah, I agree. But she had a hand in in this by putting together the soundtrack, which for us is hit and miss. I mean, mm-hmm. if I found it on vinyl, sure, of course I would grab Heck it. In yeah. a second, I would just skip past a few songs. But mm-hmm. there's some heavy hitters on here: Devo, L7, Hole, Portishead, Veruca Salt. I mean, it is '90s to the T, mm-hmm. including Ice T. But the big one for us would have been Bjork, and she's got a couple songs, but the the standout track is Army of Me, which is a great scene in the film. Yes. And Army of Me hadn't even been released yet as a oh. single for Post, which is a big hit for her. Oh. And it's featured in this film. Something that I read that I found fascinating was that because the film, we'll get to this at the end too did not go over well and did not become a hit right away. Bjork and her uh, whole team mm-hmm. opted to not use scenes from the movie in the music video. I can see why. And I would say that was a brilliant move because instead she got Michelle Gondry to do the Army of Me music video, which is that bank heist with the like yep. teeth and everything. So good. Go Probably, look at it on YouTube. Seriously, one of her all-time greatest music videos oh. ever. And I think, wow, to think that it almost would have just been kind of an adaptation of the Tank Girl scenes from the movie. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, I'm glad that Tank Girl flopped because <laughs> we got a really awesome yeah. music video out of it. Also, if you want to like watch some music videos, just go look at Michelle Gondry's work. Oh, so yeah, good. we have his... Uh, that director box set that came oh, out so years good. ago is so good brilliant definitely one of the best music video directors side note out there. but yeah <laughs> i wanted to say though ice t was on some talk show or something and they're like why were you on tank girl and he said they paid me eight hundred thousand dollars to do it <laughs> and that was the end of that question i am so glad he's in it because he He's so much fun. He's silly. Because it's hilarious. He's got his like bandana and dreadlocks and he's grumpy. Yeah. And this is like primetime body count iced tea too. Yeah. So like, 800,000. 
Why would you not do it? I'd wear a a prosthetic kangaroo costume for like $12. I I just love that he was in it. Actually, I would pay $12 to wear it anyway. But the soundtrack really does stand out in this film. Yes. That's another thing is, unfortunately, by the late 90s, you get into new metal and stuff and the soundtracks really start to dip. (laughs) But early 90s, early 90s to mid 90s are probably some of the best eras of like indie soundtracks and like alternative music soundtracks Mm -hmm. that just some of these films, the soundtracks are really stand the test of time more than the film itself. I agree. Not to say that Tank Girl is a bad film, but I no. this is a, a, a perfect example of like, man, these were just stacked at the time. And yes. It's pretty fun. I actually heard that they had tried to get Green Day on, but as it was coming out, Green Day's popularity exploded and they could no longer afford them. I believe that. This would have been Dookie era, right? Yep. Where they hit the mainstream. Yep. They tapped into the main line. Well, you win some, you lose some. Yep. Well, we talked about, though, the soundtrack being successful, but maybe the film not. This premiered on March 30th, 1995 at the Chinese Theater. Okay. 1,500 people showed up. And I guess it was quite the event. They were doing all kinds of fun stuff. yeah. And then there was a huge after party. Everybody was feeling really good. It opened on 1,341 screens. And opening weekend, it only raked in $2 million Ooh. on a $25 million budget. And Ooh. it didn't do much better. After all was said and done, including internationally, oh. it only made $6 million. <gasps> it was a huge flop. No! Massive flop. And as you can imagine, the tensions rose pretty quickly with that. A lot of finger pointing, a lot of like, well... This was a horrible experience. So Uh the co-creators said, you know, this started off really a lot of promises and good things. And by the time it was done, it was a shell of what it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. The director herself said, well, (laughs) the film that I shot wasn't the final film because the studio just got in there and cut everything out. They actually brought somebody else in at the very end. Yeah. So I can see why this really did leave a sour taste in everybody's mind. But... Time has been very gracious to this film. Yes. And although it m- was extremely panned, if you've, I, did you read any reviews from no. the time? I did. It was not good. They're it wouldn't all, have been like, good. No. One star reviews. It has definitely changed over time. And if you look at modern reviews now, they're all way up there. Like, yeah. A, one of them hit it right on the head, too. They said this is a very overtly feminist film. Yes. And nobody was really kind of prepped for that at the time. No. And so those themes, which the director, Rachel, also said got cut. A lot of the, the more feminist tones got cut mm-hmm. down, too. That... Now that we're looking back at it, we're seeing that it, it was a little ahead of its time. Absolutely, because we have a an empowered, a sexually empowered female, not as a, like a plaything for men, which was what was common at that time. She was into her own pleasure, not as being there for the pleasure of men in a very extreme way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's even in the cut at this point it you know the heavily edited version you can see that very clearly and i i totally understand why 1990s was not okay with that yeah and i i think that 
because of that, it actually ages better over yes. time. Yes, it stands um, up. This last time we saw it, I think it's the most I've ever liked it. And I've always liked it. But I was like, man, this is actually a pretty fun film to watch. And it it holds up really well. It's very dated. It's oh, extremely yeah. a 1995 film. Yes. But if you can be all in with that and go, like, I'm in the mood to watch a 90s film... Tank Girl is a very 90s film. She saves herself. She saves other women. She doesn't need men, but she doesn't hate men. It's great. And it's got a killer soundtrack. It's got awesome practical effects and costumes and everything else. Yep. Malcolm McDowell like brings it hard in it. It's fun. I Overall, I just I really had a blast watching this again. Oh, yeah. And I was so happy to find out that we got blasted into... The year 1995, because I've been wanting to revisit this for a long time. Yeah. So crazy. That was super convenient. Mm hmm. Oh, man. That wasn't convenient. No, and I feel like my noises are getting, my time travel sounds are getting more awkward. You'd think we'd be more adjusted by now and maybe not squeal as we're going through time. I cried for a little while. Yeah. Well, maybe (laughs) next month we'll just kind of surf the waves as we're traveling through time (laughs) instead of looking like we're being tortured. (laughs) By Kesley. All right, everybody. That is Tank Girl. I hope you had fun listening to that one. If you haven't seen it, I mean, because there's definitely the, the potential you haven't, check it out. It's, treat yourself. Treat yourself. It's really fun to watch. Everybody is hamming it up in it. They're all in. You can tell that they're just having a blast. This is peak Lori Petty. I know you don't know Lori Petty, but if you give yourself this gift, you will go, oh, this yep. woman did the thing. This is her moment. This is if she has one thing to reflect back on and at the end of her life, it will be, I was Tank Girl and everybody will know exactly what she means. And she did it right. <laughs> she did it right. So <laughs> kudos to her. <laughs> okay, well, have fun, be safe, and enjoy post-apocalyptic films. Yep, bye. Bye. bye.